Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and chavruta, Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Yoma, daf kaf, page 20. Well, my voice has not fully returned. Again, I apologize for that. I'm going to start at the end of the previous daf um, and continue on to the beginning of this daf, which almost begins with a Mishnah, but not quite. We have a very important piece of Agadata for a change. We haven't had a lot of Agada yet um, on this da- in this Masachet. Okay, so what's happening is, well, I'm just going to read it because I don't think I can do it justice outside. He says, interpret the statement referring to Naharda'a, the place. So the statement's referring to Naharda'a. Which is what Eliyahu, meaning Eliyahu Hanavi, the prophet, said to Rabbi Yehuda, who is a brother of Jerusalem Hasida. What does he say? Amrito, amai lo ati Mashiach. This is why has Mashiach not come? Now, this piece of Gemara spoke to me quite poignantly because my seven year old, some of you have heard him, those of you who joined us uh, for Masachat Shabbat, heard him discuss Yosef Moker Shabbat. Here we have a question that he has asked on more than one occasion, including two days ago. Why has Mashiach not come? When is Mashiach going to come? Is his question. Why hasn't Mashiach not come? Isn't, so, so first of all, right, meaning Mashiach hasn't come up until this point. Why is this a question, not from a seven-year-old, but in the Gemara? Isn't today Yom Kippur? Meaning, and there were, this is a little bit difficult, I think. Relations were had, I'm reading here the English translation of the Koran Tana and the Koran Talmud. Relations were had with several virgins in Naharda. Meaning, there were men and there were women and they stayed up all night. And didn't that lead to promiscuity? So Amar Lay, so Rebutus is back to him. What did he say? Whatever, what did Akash Baruch what did God say about the sins when Bnei Yisrael do a sin? Amar Lehi, he says to him, sin lies at the door. Now, this is a, a verse from Breshit, the book of Genesis, chapter 4. Chapter 4 is early, early, right? We're still talking about Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, and the Gan Eden, right? Sin lies at the door. And then the Gemara says, the Satan, my Amar. And what did the Satan say, meaning about the sinning? So on the one hand, we have this position that says, well, yeah, there's always sin waiting for you. Big deal that you're going to sin. Of course you're going to sin. It's waiting there for you. What does the Satan say? Satan really in Hebrew. So Satan is the Hebrew equivalent of Satan, right? Except for that there isn't really a concept of Satan the way there is in the Christian theology, so rather, the translation usually for a satan is the prosecutor or the accuser, one who comes to make a case against the person for because they were sinning. Right? So what does the satan say? The, the satan has no dominion. He has no legitimacy to come make an accusation against anybody for their sins on Yom Kippur. Now, this is a piece of Agadah, and Agatha that I think people learn even quite young, right? The idea that, you know, that the Satan is lying in wait for throughout all of the Yamim Noraim. And in fact, between Midrash and custom, there really is a lot of attention paid to this um, 
non-figure figure of a Satan, except for the fact that on Yom Kippur, and there's a really important statement, there is no, you know, someone's going to come and make a claim that you did a sin on Yom Kippur? No way. God is not going to listen to that. Not on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is truly a day of Rachamim. So the Gemara says, Mimai, meaning from where do we get this idea that the Satan has no dominion on Yom Kippur? I've just told you it's a day of Rachamim, but where do I even get such an idea, right? What's the claim from this Gemara? Amarami Barachama Ha Satan, the word Hey, Sin, Tet, Nun, Begamatria, Tlatmea Vishitin Varabahave. It is six hundred and I'm sorry, three hundred and sixty-four. Tlat mea vishitin varba yome. There's three hundred and sixty-four days of the year. Eat labor shoot less dune. There are three hundred and sixty-four days of the year where the Satan does have the right to argue against anybody who sins, which is you know all of us. But on Yom Kippur, but not on Yom Kippur, meaning where's that 365th day of the year for the Satan to come and make the argument against whoever, you know, might have done a sin? Well, he doesn't, he only, he only has 364 days because of the gematria of the word Hasatan. Now, a question that I have long had on this, of course, is that for the most part, the Jewish calendar follows the lunar year, and the lunar year is shorter than 365 days by quite a bit. 365 days is the solar calendar, which you know, there is still the solar calendar in Halakha as well. It's not that it, there's no such thing. Obviously, here it's what they're talking about, but it's an interesting, you know, to say that the dominion over the year um, you know, is only going to be following the solar calendar when what we're talking about is a day that is on the calendar, but by virtue of the lunar calendar, is an interesting, um, you know, manipulation of the different calendars for the purpose of, well, for the, for the purpose of making this point, right? The point is really about Yom Kippur. The point is really about people and sin and not really about, uh, uh, what? figure, a mythical, magical figure who's going to come and argue against us, right? Really, we have to just face God. It's interesting to me that with all of our discussion of Yom Kippur, this is sort of the first section that really gets into the theology of Yom Kippur, right? That somehow we're sort of protected in a different way of Yom, on Yom Kippur, but it took us 20 dapim in to even get to that. And I'm curious, again, I haven't, you know, learned all of this Masachin in full, how many of these types of passages are we going to encounter? Um, I think it's an interesting question, especially since, and we said this from the very beginning of the Masachet, right? That for, we're still in the Avodah Yom Kippurim of the, with the blood and the guts and the staying up all night of the Kohen Gadol, right? We're not yet in the Yom Kippur that we experience every year with fear and trembling in a very different kind of way. Right. And there's something, the, the Yom Kippur, as presented in this Masachet, is technical, right? It's about a series right. of actions that the Kohen Gadol needs to do. And so it makes sense that it's not really imbued with this type of theology. And this is really the first time that we sort of encounter sort of the meaning behind all of it, not just the order of does, when does he wash his feet? When does he go to the mikvah? When does he, the Kohen Gadol change his clothes? How do we keep the Kohen Gadol up all night? This is really getting much more into the essence of Yom Kippur itself. Right. And I will say also, it is brought as what? The antidote to the fact that people sin, which is brought as the explanation for why Mashiach hasn't come yet, right? Meaning, so I want to say, I mean, I don't really want to say this, but like by logic, then we should be able to say, so Mashiach will come on Yom Kippur? Will he come just to visit for that one day when when sin is not relevant? You know, it's it's kind of 
there's so much theology here in such a short, compact way that it becomes, I think, a little bit hard to follow all the logic through in terms of just the discussion itself. And yet, and yet the points are are so dramatic and so so I think very real in terms of what people believe and want to believe. Oh, for sure. Okay, so I just want to very very quickly, I just want to, um, right after this whole discussion, this theological, uh, agotic discussion, we've got a Mishnah, meaning we're moving on in the Gemara. Um, and, the, you know, you're Dana, you're the one who always says it waits for none, it waits for nobody. Um, the Mishnah here brings us more back to this technical, to the technical details of what, it's not just the Avoda. The Cholyom Tormin at the Mizbech. They would remove the ashes from the altar. Meaning, if you want to talk about getting down into the to the, what is the expression for it? There's an, there's an expression in Hebrew for like the the dirty work, right? That's what this is. They were cleaning the ashes from the altar. It's still holy. They still have to do it, but it is not, um, you know, this is not shining lights and and halos. Kriyat gever is a really beautiful expression, which. <laughs> means when the rooster crows in the morning, right? The calling of the, the gever literally means the man, but it means the calling of the rooster. So we're talking about early, early in the day, at daybreak, or very close to that. Right? So they would clean the, we're talking about the ramp, right? And so the, right around this time of the rooster crowing, whether it's before or after, this is, and it's not, this is, I just want to say this was another thing that caught me. If you think back, Yardena, to Brachot, when we spoke about the times of Kriyachma and the division of the day, and the, you know, it's fairly specific. This is less specific, right? We've got the cock crowing and that's it. And then before or after, a little before, a little after, it doesn't matter, just around that time. But then on Yom Kippur, they would take those ashes out earlier, meaning at midnight. Regalim. And on the festivals, they would take them out even earlier, meaning at the Ashmurah Rishonah, which again, that first watch, we first discussed this at the very beginning of Masach Brachot, how the night is divided into watches. And so what happens? It says, the rooster would not crow. Um, it would not arrive. It would not show up on the festivals until that temple courtyard, that Azara, was full of people who were all coming to give the offerings, right? So that they would be, and then so immediately, so they would offer the Karban Tamid in the morning, and then they would offer all the offerings of all the people who would come. And in the meantime, the cock crowing would, would happen in the course of the day, right? At the right time in the morning. But the ashes had long been cleared out beforehand because they had to ready the Mizbeach for all the new Karbanot to come. I think you really described as well that this sort of is like the the nitty gritty of what I guess that's the word I was thinking of. Really, literally, the dirty part. Of it's what really needed, nitty and gritty, <laughs> right? What needed to happen, but I think again, it's you know talking to us about as much as the Beit Hamikdash is sort of the spiritual center, the work of the day to day. I would not say was particularly glamorous or felt feels particularly spiritual to me. You think it does or it doesn't? It doesn't. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't feel particularly right. spiritual to me. No, um, that's what I mean. Like we've gone from yeah. this, like the end of this, like Yom Kippur, Satan, free from sin, whatever. Yeah. And then it's like tearing off ashes and the burnt pieces of the carcasses that didn't get fully burnt. <laughs> um, and and I, but but isn't that life in a way? Like life is sort of the I, 
the human existence of our bodies versus the spirituality. And maybe that is a little bit what's coming together in the experience of the Beit HaMikdash. Like it's literally the physicality with the spirituality together. And I think that the people who, you know, fashioned the daf, right, who put these, the text with the text, knew this. You know, it's not random. Maybe they also got a kick out of the juxtaposition, but I'm certain that they were aware of it. I, I think that it, it's so striking. I think it has to be true. Um, I'm going to move on to end here, which is, you know, they're discussing uh, this. What exactly was the Gever? Uh, right. And, you know, there's a Machlokas. Was it a person who was calling or if it was a rooster that was calling? And so the Gemara uh, says it's going to bring a Brisa, one that's in support of Rav that said it was a person and one that's important in support of Rabbi Shila, who said that it was a rooster. We don't even get to the Rabbi Shila in this particular death. And so they bring this brysa here, right? Give me karuz mahu omer, right? What did give me the crier say? Um, and, you know, so that's how we know that it was a person because he said, right? So um, I found one thing that was interesting here is here the word, right? We always use that with kohanim, right? That we say kohanim duchen. Um, but here, because it really means like their platform or the place where they stand, here it's used oh my goodness. I'm sorry to interject, but like if you had woken up me woken me up in the middle of the night and asked me about and it is the middle of the night when I'm not, when we're recording, and asked me what Duchen means, I totally would have told you it's Yiddish. A hundred percent I would have thought it was Yiddish. Oh, I yes, I would agree with you actually why you said that, but it's here in this price and it's interesting that it's in You're connection totally with right. the lobby. With, with the Levium, which I thought was very interesting. Um so that's the first thing that I wanted to um point out. And then they get into this interesting thing about this one givni, right? Which is also interesting because it sounds so much like gever. So I wonder if that's also a little bit how that mix-up happened. Um, this one particular crier, um, which another brysa comes, uh, you know, sorry, the end of that brysa, excuse me, talks about, uh, you know, that masaba grifas hamelach. So again, one of the things we've been talking about throughout our study of Tafyomi are all these Agrippa stories, right? Agrippa was not a fully Jewish king, but always had the respect and was a very devoted Jew. Um, and he's sort of always used at this like sort of, uh, I have to study who he is better, but he's used as this type of prototype. They always have these stories about him, right? That he heard the crier as far as way three parts out. And so he sent this, he sent give me gifts, right? This always shows like, Agrippus is always doing things that sort of show his devotion uh, to, uh, you know, to, to the Jewish way of life. He's very, very devoted. And then they bring another Brisa that, you know, talks about a Kohen Gadol whose voice was even louder because he was heard all the way in, uh, was in Yericho. And that's even more praiseworthy because the Kohen Gadol who could shout on Yom Kippur, you know, he was obviously, uh, he had to be weak more than, than give me, right? Because he was doing this, Abagav dahacha echa right even though in both cases there was sort of a weakness because of the fast but here in the case of the going guzzle was day and with gibney it was night and then the gemara gets into this very interesting thing about sort of like how voices are not heard as well during the day as they are as night and they say it has to do with this whole thing with the sun and i thought this was interesting because it was one of those things that daf mentions where you're like huh, I never thought about that, but it's totally true, right? We always tend to hear things better at night than we do in the day. So their point in saying this is that, yeah, of course you could hear, the fact that you could hear Gibney from far away 
well, it was at night and you can hear things better at night, but that you could hear the calling gods open far away. And he was crying during the day. You know, that shows you how even more. Um, I didn't totally understand the thing about how the sun sort of blocks it. But this whole last passage about the sun, about how loud Rome was, which is, I think, a way of underscoring how loud Rome is. But this particular passage about this thing with the night and the day was just a great observation about the natural world that we all know to be true. Um, wasn't one that I necessarily ever articulated out loud, but the daf really does for us. It does indeed. That's our daf discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think about the really range of expression here about, I guess, daybreak. Is that the right? Or right before daybreak. Um, thank you to Rabbanit Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.